The sounds of Ziggy Stardust, David Bowie playing us in. Nothing more fitting, of course, as we honor the life of David Bowie. We count down on Twisted Lister episode 38. We'll count down the top five artists, in our opinion, influenced by David Bowie. And obviously, plenty to talk about with the death of David Bowie recently. And uh, it was, you know, it, it was... Uh, what, what, there's a lot that amazes me about it, guys, as I welcome in Todd and Harrison. Uh, but they're just like how this story just trended, it continues to trend, and you just see the influence that this guy had, and that's why we decided to take this take as far as how to discuss it is the amount of people and the amount of artists that, that David Bowie was able to influence. It's really amazing. Now, and you see, like, uh, the thing about David Bowie is he has influenced people, I think, just scanning 50 years now, right? He was an artist for 50 years. He's been, he was act, an active performer for that long too. And he was never not cool. He was always cool to be into David Bowie. There's no point where that was passe. He never, you know, ended up, you know, Barry Maneloning it or, um, you know, doing a stint in Vegas. He was always at the top of his game at all time. He was just the coolest guy around. Yeah. And that's part of why I was excited about this topic is just, is because it's such a wide, uh, you know, I think we had discussed a little David Bowie's relevance generationally, but I think uh, it's interesting because you can go from artists from the 70s, you know, which obviously was when he broke out, but you can go all the way to 80s, 90s, even up to today, and there are artists still saying, I'm, you know, that he was this inspiration to them. So I think that's something we'll see in our lists reflected uh, somewhat. So I think that's that is part of what, for me, was was exciting about just getting this together. Yeah, it was it was it was really interesting, you know, learning about him having passed away, and, and like I said, the kind of the news cycle and how the news cycle really hasn't stopped. And Harrison, what you talked about is interesting, and I want to play something uh, coming off of that. Actually, you talking about how cool David Bowie was, and I, I want to say something before acknowledge something before I play that. David Bo- to me, it was hard to relate to David Bowie initially. I'm not a big, I, I wasn't a huge David Bowie fan. As a music fan, of course, there's material that I love, but he's not one of the artists that I find myself drawn to. And we're of the age where, to us, David Bowie being up front, like David Bowie's classic rock to us, right? We didn't grow up. We're of the, we're of the next generation. So what's interesting is he had a, uh, an impact, a direct impact on the artists of our generation because they were growing up with him. And I think that's really interesting. I know Harrison, you were a big, uh, unlike me, you you were a big fan, right? David Bowie and David Bowie stuff. I mean, I mean yeah. not not a big fan, but I definitely understood his influence. Like my yeah. favorite David Bowie album is Earthlings. That puts me in a vast minority as far as like his <laughs> sure. favorite David Bowie albums. Yeah. Um, but he, but again, that was a situation where like he went on tour with Trent Reznor. Uh, to promote Outside, which is produced by Brian Eno. So you're already in just like this fantastically cool sphere as far as I was concerned when I was 15. Yeah. Uh, and then you see David Bowie performing, and then he puts out Earthling, which is definitely um, was definitely influenced you by You went that to tour. that tour, right? You went to the Nine Inch Nails Bowie? I went to the Nine Inch yeah, Nails talk about Bowie that. tour yeah. back at, yeah, back yeah. at, Mer- er, at uh, when it was, what was it? It wasn't Jiffy Lou Block. It was Nissan, Nissan Pavilion. Yeah. Um, and are that you was still like, are you bro- are you still in the parking lot waiting to get home from that show? I'm still, yeah, I might. <laughs> are you? Yeah. I'm get home from that show. Twenty years later. <laughs> Some say he's still looking for his car. <laughs> uh, but that show, like, I went, I went to see Nine Inch Nails for sure, and then I stayed, you know, stayed around. I didn't stay a- long enough for all of Bowie because I was a stupid kid, but I saw enough to be like be impressed, and then yeah. Um, 
but at that point, like I know, like I knew about David Bowie, right? Who doesn't know about David Bowie? Right. His role as uh, the Goblin King in Labyrinth, which I will tell you, half the women that we know, all of them, like you know, realize their sexuality watching Labyrinth and seeing the Goblin King. And that's, about a quarter, also about the that's quarter the soundbite from the, that's the soundbite from this oh, podcast. Great. That is a great. Yeah. That's great, Harris. And that's the expertise. <laughs> no, that just go, I, when we get off this podcast, you go to your wife and just say Jareth the Goblin King, and she's gonna look at you like she looks at you when she talks about that boyfriend that of hers yeah. that you don't like. Yeah, she'll give you that look because that's. I mean, he had that effect on women. He's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, the whole time. <laughs> and then, I mean, like he was. Well, they, all right. That was also important. He like he brought that kind of role of, of androgyny into the that mainstream was... as well, which was a huge influence on everybody from like Kiss to not well. Like to, oh man, I mean, there's so much to the Eurythmics, like all that. Uh, Boy George, all those people. I mean, talk about influence not just in like in music, but also just in presence. I just like the fact that you uh, lumped together David Bowie, the Eurythmics, Boy George, and Motley Crue. Uh, the last person to do that was probably uh, an MTV VJ, maybe Martha yeah. Quinn, introducing a block of videos in 1984. <laughs> but stringing together some sort of <laughs> bizarre comparison. Yeah, so, I'm telling you right now, what, David Bowie. <laughs> but what I and I want to go back on what I was saying. Like I, I. I I, what I want to say is uh, because I said not a fan, and that's not I, what. And you guys know what I mean because we're fans of a lot of different music. So of course I was a fan, but like there, there are certain artists. I feel like we don't do this enough. Where like you come, you you're, you got to be upfront about your music fandom and and your age is connected to it. And David Bowie, for one of the classic rock artists, right, who came about before we became musically, I don't know what the word you want to use, that fifteen to twenty five age range, right, or fourteen to whatever, when you become like musically aware, right. And um, so he wasn't one of the artists of the past that I was drawn to. That's what I was trying to say. You know, that's right. you were you're a normie. You were you. Or a normal kid, you didn't. Well, yeah. no, there's some weird shit. Yeah, I like. Just, you know, you're just a boring white, but not as weird. Not, no, I'm not. No, Harrison wins the weirdness contest. There's no. Yeah, yeah no, you're yeah, right. No, I was drawn. True. No, I, I. So I, in another episode, I did start thinking about okay, who are the artists that I was drawn to in the classic rock genre, and it was, and he wasn't one of them. So, but coming around this week, so when the the news broke, and actually Sarah told me the news, I hadn't seen it yet in the morning, and 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 Sarah told me, and I said. And I was like, oh, I kind of had like an oh, like, I mean, it, obviously it was big, but I had no idea the kind of um, steam that it would pick up because we're not kids of the 70s and 80s. We're kids of the 80s and 90s. The kids of the 70s and 80s, they, they, they it's a totally different deal. And most of the artists that we love growing up, you name them, uh, they grew up in the 70s and 80s. So they were definitely transformed by David Bowie. And I think the influence of three artists that uh, – May or may not be recognized, uh, you know, within the grunge. It's the, the, the no, the, the um, yeah, the influence of three artists on the artists of the '90s. I think is crazy, and it's Bowie, Queen, um, and Kiss. I mean, those guys really uh, influenced a lot of the artists that we grew up with. So, oh yeah, definitely, you know? definitely, yeah. especially Bowie and Kiss. I yeah. would, I would, they yeah. were cited all the time. But Queen too was right up there. But I was going to say that the outpouring of like emotion from you know fans and artists i was uh, i guess i was floored by that yeah because not because i didn't think you know he was important but but uh, i just i don't remember seeing that to that degree since maybe harrison and i were talking about it maybe michael jackson was the last one that you know where you yeah saw that I, kind of and, and then before that maybe george harrison george harrison yeah. yeah yeah that, that's what i feel like even more so like as much as like michael jackson is a cultural force like 
uh, David Bowie was this kind of artist's artist, right? Like everybody stole from him and he was always able to, and he was so like, you look at his, all of his different albums for like young Americans being a soul album and earthling being his drum and bass album. And he's doing all this himself. It's not like he's like bringing in people to like do, he's not Carlos Santana ing it, you know, he's not pulling in the talent and being like, <laughs> here, make, make me cool for two songs on my next album. Like, no, yeah. he was just like, Earthling, he's just like, I wanted to do a drum and bass album. So he, he self-produced that whole album. It's not like he brought in uh, you know, somebody else to yeah. do is yeah. You know, but he, he did bring in an E to make you know make the beats for him or anything like that. He was doing that all himself. Right, right. But it is interesting how over his long career he pivoted between different producers, different session guys. I was reading about that that history and how those producers, of course, influenced the sound of those records yeah. like in the late 70s the berlin albums the, the three albums he did i think with brian eno producing had a very different sound from the earlier 70s yeah i don't know for sure no but also that was and that's the other side of it is like how many different collaborations did he do and famous ones at that you know from oh, yeah. under pressure and everything else like that was, he was also known for that so and i like, didn't realize i didn't realize let's dance was a collaboration with nile rogers from oh nile rogers oh, oh, i had no I idea but too. now that he, i was reading about how they wrote songs together yeah. and when David Bowie came up with, I think, Modern Love or and Let's Dance was definitely a big Nile Rodgers influence on yeah. that song. It was, that, that was fascinating because I just didn't really know, you know, things I didn't know about Bowie. I'm sure people who are hardcore fans, they know this stuff. So that was kind of the fun of researching this. No, this was, I loved, you know, when we started talking about doing this episode, I wasn't 100% on board with it at the beginning. And I got to say, I've had the most fun researching this episode of, of, I think, any. You guys know I don't usually dig deep into the research. usually just go with my gut. This was mm-hmm. so much fun to research because seeing how many different artists he influenced that we grew up listening to is amazing. And I wanted to play something because what really helped me put it in perspective because I think all of us had the, a moment or many moments over the course of our lives where we – the reason why we wanted to be rock stars. None of us have become rock stars as of yet. But uh, so what was cool was a couple weeks back or maybe a couple months back when Rhett Miller was a guest on this. This is some podcast karma, too, of course, Todd. Uh, Chris Schiffer from the Foo Fighters has a podcast out there. It's called Walking the Floor. And Rhett Miller was a guest on the show. Rhett Miller wrote a great column, too, about the importance of David Bowie and his career that's on Salon.com that was released uh, just recently. But also passed, you know, after after David Bowie passed away. But Rhett talks that this is his the moment when he knew he wanted to be a rock star. And I just think it's it's a really cool clip, and I, it it puts everything in perspective about uh, you know how artists are influenced by by David Bowie. Tight and beautiful and perfect, and then they're making this speech in between. So I I kind of fell in love with that, and then I got into Bowie. Mm. Like Bowie was really big for me when I was little, like thirteen. I, I got to go see him on the Serious Moonlight tour, and really, I was dating uh, the younger sister of Lisa Loeb, the the singer from Dallas. And um, what at the time? I was dating. Yeah, Debbie was Lisa's younger sister, and Lisa at the time was just you know a couple of years ahead of us in school, and right. she was already playing music and stuff, and I was just learning to play guitar. And Debbie took uh, Lisa took Debbie and I to see David Bowie, and we sat at uh, Reunion Arena, and uh, we were off to the side of the stage, and they, he had this moment where. You know, the Serious Moonlight tour was pretty great. I mean, that record was considered, uh, is considered, actually in retrospect, I think people appreciate it for what it was. But at the time, most Bowie fans thought it was a huge sellout. Right. You know, um, and it was, but it worked. So Was that that Let's Dance? Was that that Yeah, it was that record. I mean, that's Stevie Ray Vaughan playing. That's like, you know, some of the best lead work that guy ever did. Amazing. Incredible. And, um, 
So he comes off stage before the encore, Bowie does, and the band's all gone off stage right, and he comes off stage left, and there's this just little staircase, and somebody walks up to him with a, a platter, and on it there's a folded up towel, and there's like, like a cup of tea, and there's a lit cigarette and an ashtray, and there's 20,000 people, and they're chanting, Bowie, Bowie. Basically, Red Miller talking about the moment he knew that he wanted to be a rock star, which I feel like we all can point to some moments, and uh, I just think and, it's and, so and cool. I was going to say, yeah. like a lot of song songwriters out there, I definitely uh, tried ripping off Bowie a bunch when I was writing. Songs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there, I I wish I could find it. I thought about it this week. I wish I could find there was one song that I wrote that was such an obvious rip off of uh, of Ziggy Stardust, or, and and. Uh, Anyway, it, it was so bad, and I'm glad nothing ever became of it, but it's oh, one of those it's things too... you laugh at later. But I'm sure a lot of song, people who've tried to write songs can relate. It's it's too bad that was done before the internet age, Todd, because otherwise we could play yeah. it right now and laugh at it. But there there was a lot of cool stuff that came out this week. There was a story also, uh, Maura Tierney, on, who was on The Affair, which has a great soundtrack, by the way, and it's a great show. But she was talking about, she had this David Bowie story. I mean, I'm sure all of us read a ton of stuff, and I wanted to mention two things that really stood out to me. One was Maura Tierney, uh, she had an interview, she was in a movie with Bowie at some point, and she tells the story where, and, and everything that came out, Todd, Going back to what you said, where you saw this outpouring from artists, everything that came out was all about like how how uh, his the niceness, right, and the kindness that, that that David Bowie had. And I think that's why a lot of people mentioned things. But it was cool because she she really humanized him. She talked about how she uh, she was nervous talking to him, and basically she she said to him they started talking, and she uh, she said she was she was a huge fan of the Pixies. They were getting into the Pixies at the time, so he goes out, he sends his assistant out to go buy every Pixies CD, and they basically sit around and listen to the Pixies together, and that's what they did. And I thought it was a cool story because it's a story about how music brings people together, no matter how famous they are. I mean, that's that was that was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I, was, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, and then there was also a story about. In the Business Insider had this story from the New York Times, we re, rehashed a story from the New York Times in 2002, in which Bowie said this. You talk about being a guy who understood the business, and you talk about his long, long career, right, of 50 years, and how he was able to change and everything like that. And he says, music itself is going to become like running water or electricity. It's, this is back in 2002. He says, just take advantage of these last few years, because none of this is ever going to happen again. You better be prepared for doing a lot of touring, because that's really the only unique situation that's going to be left. It's terribly exciting, but on the other hand, it doesn't matter if you think it's exciting or not. It's just what's going to happen. And I thought that was... Wow. Yeah, I mean, that, that well, was... He was also a huge digital pioneer Huge. Like david davidbowie.com yeah. is one of the oldest online communities out there i mean and he was on top of everything like he had his mp his whole catalog out on mp3 way before anybody else like he was on top of it yeah i think he was one of the first to release an album on online so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, you, there's some, you, you go back and you find like when the internet was and you find some old YouTube clips and it's funny looking at the, you know, the David Bowie CD-ROMs. It's He was one of those artists that was into doing all that. And yeah, he, he was really ahead of his time as far as all that. And it was interesting to see him really have this prediction about the business. And then I want to, one more point that I wanted to say was I feel like um, going back to what I had said, we're not being a huge fan growing up, but it's interesting because... It's almost like our generation, which is, again, the generation after those, I think, that grew up with David Bowie. We couldn't really escape David Bowie. And uh, and, and whether you like it or not, one of those reasons was certainly Ice Ice Baby. Uh, and then, <laughs> but, but then, but seriously, and then, but all the hip-hop samples that, that were derived from Bowie and then obviously been around the world by Puff Daddy. And, and uh, he, you know, the, he, he, I remember having the Pretty Woman soundtrack as a sixth grader and fame showed up on there. So it was interesting 
after you know after you passed away it's like oh my god this is an artist who you really couldn't avoid and that's not and and that's not and you could say oh that's true for all the great artists that's bullshit that's not true there's there's like it's not true that's that's there are artists who you you literally can't avoid because they're that good um and he's he's one of them not you can't avoid because they're that annoying right he's he's because he's that good so anyway no you know he's in the he's in like he's in one of the he's in the top echelon right he's in the beatles michael jackson category like Oh, no, come on. You can't. <laughs> Todd, Todd we're being week a little... is, I think this week has, it is. has born that out. That was, I think this week you has just, borne you that just out. took a leap there, Harrison. You just took no, a pretty big so. leap. Yeah. Todd, Todd, weigh in here, Yeah, man. that's a different discussion. I mean, so okay, in, 19, it, it, in 1999, uh, nine, Enemy Magazine did a survey amongst active recording artists asking them who was the most influential artist to them. And David Bowie came in number one, Radiohead came in number two, and the Beatles came in number three. And this is like, people like Bono voted on this. This wasn't just some bullshit. Right. So, I mean, like... Well, it was printed in NME, so it could be... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, anything in the British music press, you have to take with a grain of salt. Well, more or less, but still, I mean, like he's up there. He's up there. No, no, he's, he's definitely as an influential artist. He, yeah, yeah, he's huge. But yeah, the Beatles obviously are kind of in their own realm. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with my list here. I'm gonna tell you guys. All right. So my number five guy on my list for artists influenced by David Bowie is uh, Trent Reznor, who I think again because I saw this is and for me this is like my my my, uh, my my hometown favorite because I really discovered David Bowie through Trent Reznor on that uh, on the outside tour that he did with Trent Reznor. Um, so that was my first real exposure to David Bowie or, or being able to kind of connect the dots between all those songs, Fame, Under Pressure, um, Young Americans, which was my dad's favorite David Bowie song, probably because it sounds like a Van Morrison song. Um, so, but going on that tour and seeing that and seeing that, you know, Trent Reznor was, was like totally in love with this guy enough to take him on tour. And they, you know, he, had Brian Eno as his producer because of David Bowie and, you know, and uh, David Bowie having worked with Brian, you know, so all that together, you know, um, and obviously Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails being uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, that gets my number fifth, five choice there. It's a good um, one. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned Trent Reznor. Cause that was uh, on my list at various times uh, and it didn't make the final one, but it was, it would have been an honorable mention for me. So it's a great choice. Yeah. My number four, I put uh, Kanye. I think he he himself, you know, since Bowie's passing, has said how much how influential David Bowie was on on him and uh, showing him what it means, like how to be a rock star. I think I'm not is, buying that. I, I, not I buying I'm not buying. I know he's going to show up on both your lists. I I, I am, uh, and I'll jump <laughs> in right now. I and I I'm not a Kanye hater by any means. I like Kanye, but I I, I don't buy it because I think. Being somebody who's similar in age to Kanye, um, I, I feel like he, I feel like his his take. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. I feel like it'd be very similar. Well, to my, let me let I, me paint a picture for you. No, we're I get at, that he's at, a fashion. We're at, H, we're at a late HF festival. Kanye West is there on stage in his sweater vest. He has an orchestra behind him with women who are wearing, uh, you know, eyes wide shut masquerade masks playing along with him in like a full orchestra and you don't think he's Bowie influenced at all right, at that I, point? I, 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 I get, I don't know. To me, it's coincidence, but maybe I'm being an... coincidence. He, he himself <laughs> has said he got that from, yeah. It, well, or he got Con- that from, from uh, Bowie. 
Bowie. Hey, no, he Kanye said, it, said himself, he said that Bowie was one of his biggest inspirations. Did he say it before he this was, week? I, I don't know. My Rhett Miller quote week, but... for the record was done before what that podcast was was done well before this, you know, before oh, yeah. David Bowie passed away. Yeah, I, but, I, but that's Scott, why I, I call. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm being. I, I don't I mean, see how you could uh, say he wasn't influenced by him just because. Uh, let's not even, you know, not even. No, it's not fair. I, I'll, I'll admit. Something or not, but, 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 but think about the fact that Bowie, we talked about it when we talked about, like, best, greatest musical reinventions or just reinventions well, let's... themselves. Kanye's been a king of reinventing okay. himself. Okay. In his short career, he's already in the same, added a in the same... Of... I agree, yeah. but let me and tell he, maybe you. Maybe he doesn't, he doesn't do, like, a named personas, but he is playing a character on all of his records in each now. one, you know. This day and age where everything comes down to analytics, and Todd, you always talk about your criteria for making your lists, okay? Sure. So my criteria, one of the one of my criteria for making this list, for making this list rather, was looking at an obvious criteria, which I'm amazed that Harrison, you did not take this into the consideration when making the list. An obvious criteria is. How many times do these guys perform the songs of David or girls perform the songs of David Bowie? I Kanye, not that I don't know of a sample that he's used from David Bowie, nor do I. I just just saying, just saying, just saying. Okay. I don't. I, that, that for me, that wouldn't be criteria that they've covered them. Or all right, they've all right. Talked about them extensively. I, I feel like you know, without Bowie, you don't have some of these artists that you know, people like that who can who do those that kind of dramatic reinvention. No one, I feel like no one did that, or Bowie really introduced that. What do you mean, Kiss took, Kiss took off their makeup? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kiss had makeup or no makeup, but they didn't really have like, yeah. you know, different personalities. All right, all right. So you guys know where I'm, I'm on on the Kanye on this on this particular on Kanye on this particular list. I'm just not I'm not not seeing it, but I I want to hear Todd's argument as well. So anyway. All right, Harrison. Well, number uh, my number three, I think, is going to be consensus pick, though. It's uh, Nirvana, and um, and obviously this is based on their playing of David Bowie uh, at their Unplugged show, playing the man who sold the world. Um, and I guess that was actually my first exposure to that song. And I realized I, I don't think I'd ever heard the David Bowie version until this week. Um, and I'd always just kind of accepted uh, Kurt Cobain's take on it as the de facto like how the song went. I didn't realize how different David Bowie's uh, approach to it was. So um, <clears throat> for me, that's interesting. And of course, I'm sure there's more, uh, probably more places that you could point to, but do you guys have more examples or, or no, are we all basing it on that? I, I, no, Nirvana and Kurt Cobain. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, Kurt Cobain's on my list and I had the exact same uh the same experience as you. I listened to Man Who Sold the World this week, and I was—I don't know if I had ever really heard that uh, before because we grew up on that. That Nirvana album was so big when we were growing up, and why? Why would you move away from that? Um, and I think that what Cobain and Nirvana did with that song is amazing, and it—it it talks. I, I think it speaks to the strength of, of David Bowie's songwriting when you see what what Cobain was able to do with it because it's a fantastic song and uh and obviously Cobain completely re, you know not completely but did rework it in a lot of ways and um yeah I, I so I had the same experience as you Harrison how about you Todd on yeah that. no I agree and I'll get into it on my list too that's why I'm not saying more but I, I definitely agree it's a, it's a clear choice especially for our generation cool well my number two and I'm actually surprised that this isn't going to show up on either of your lists but I had U2 and Bono specifically. 
um, Bono himself saying, like, basically ca- calling uh, David Bowie the Elvis of Ireland and England for his time. And also the fact that all of Dave, uh, Bono's showmanship and stage presence, all of it, all 100% of it is directly channeled from David Bowie. All the way down to his personas from The Bug to Mephisto to the concept albums that they did, you know, Octon Baby and Zuropa. That was all just straight up copying the whole Man Who Fell to Earth, the Ziggy Stardust um, set and just mo- you know, modernizing it for the 80s and 90s. So, um, and and I sound I sound a little down on that, but I think it, it, that they did a really good job of it. And I think Todd, you'll remember we heard um, you two cover uh, uh, Space Oddity um, when we, we saw them on that tour. And what was it, twenty eleven? Did they play it in Baltimore? They yeah, played they played it played in Baltimore. That. I think it's Scott uh, was it Scott Kelly, whoever was married to the Gabby Giffords' husband, who was out in the space station. He started it, like he was playing uh, it from the space station. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty neat. Anyway, that you, yeah, you, no, like you two, you two was definitely. I mean, they they're definitely high up on that list, and, and they didn't make my list, but I'm glad that you mentioned them because there's all there's so many artists like you know like most of our lists, there's so many that could be on there, and so there, you know, there's definitely a clear influence stated by Bono, but clearly evident in their work. All right, and my number one, and uh, you guys, you guys have Madonna on your list. I put Lady Gaga because I think she's kind of a pure form of that. Um, again, that stage presence and showmanship, and you saw her direct um, copying and, and and kind of uh, uh, honoring him in her applause video. But that ability, that again, that just kind of chameleon like uh, approach to the stage and always being a spectacle and always being cool in one way or the other. You know, Gaga in, in her you know, it's now been, she's been on the scene for what, almost 10 years, if not 10 years, like she's made it work for a while now. And I think that she has that kind of same resilience and presence. And you see her now winning a golden globe and stepping into acting. Another thing that Bowie did really well. Um, so she's showing that versatility as an artist and you know, in her, you know, approach to fashion too, you know, David Bowie was also a, a big fashion person. So you're seeing a lot of similar footsteps being taken and, and she's doing it rather successfully. Yeah, I I agree with uh with all that regarding, you know. I mean, I think I think Gaga is definitely influenced by Bowie, but uh yeah, that's a good that's a good list. Recap. No, I, yeah, I, yeah. I agree too. Yeah. I think any artist, I think you know, most pop rock or rock or just pop artists, if they you know, if there's a theatricality to their performances, you know, in some way there's probably some Bowie influence because he was one of the early you know progenitors of that yeah and people that we don't that none of us have on our list like the killers or panic of the disco i think all fall into that category they just haven't had the impact of some of the these other people or have show have manifested it quite as well as who we get on our list yeah i guess when i when i looked at the list i i, I wanted to find concrete evidence of of this i think that both gaga to me gaga and kanye fall in the same category of artists that have come from a similar there's there's a similar similarity with with bowie and the way they did things i don't know if they're i don't know if they were directly influenced maybe indirectly that's that's my that's just you know that's my take. That's my take. do you want to sum up the list <laughs> yeah harrison recap the list all right so my list uh yeah five i have trent Reznor slash giant snails uh four is kanye west three is nirvana two is u2 and one is gaga all right cool so my list uh my number five Madonna, she performed Rebel Rebel this week. Uh, she had some really, you know, interesting things to say. She talked much like 
Rhett Miller in that clip we heard earlier, she talked all about one of her first shows back in Detroit was seeing uh, was seeing David Bowie when she was growing up. So I think, you know, no doubt, and, and, and it just seems like she was definitely influenced by, by the work of David Bowie. Number four, Kurt Cobain, who we, we talked about. Number three on my list, Billy Corgan. You look back, they the Pumpkins have done a lot of different covers of uh, Bowie's material, and there's I, I think he falls into that category again, being a guy of the age between forty and fifty. He may be a little older, I'm not sure, but somewhere in there, forties or fifties, and and he, um, you know, who who grew up listening listening to Bowie and, and Kiss most likely and definitely influenced by both those artists but certainly David Bowie and I think there's even some similarities in the sound uh we talked about well hold on yeah, hold on yeah, yeah, yeah. no going by your criterion yeah what 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 um oh. David Bowie song is oh. Billy Corgan well known for well they've done it they've done a ton of different stuff I have to pull up my uh my stat sheet here to tell you but I know I did the research and I'm not a huge fan of listening to Pumpkins live material. That's why I don't have a clip to play for you. Oh, okay, okay, that's why. Th that no, that is why. Seriously, okay. no, that's why. I'm not a big. Okay. I, 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 I think live. I'm not. I think live. They that he doesn't really sound great. And uh, okay, no, you're no. Are you, I just want to make sure you're holding yourself to the same standards that you hold the rest of us to. That's all. Well, everybody makes their own criteria. Todd always has all a right. criteria. Todd always. Does. I know. Yeah, David. That's Bo true. David Bowie is the most covered artist by the Smashing Pumpkins, by the way. According really? to Yes, according to setlist.fm, the most covered huh? artist by the That's Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, if you want to know the song that they've covered the most, I think it might be Space Out. Let me see. Um, the song that they have covered the most is Space Oddity, okay? So, all right, all right, yeah, all right. and if you need to hear it, we can play it, but hey. I'm sure that our listeners can find it. But, yeah, Space Oddity is, you know what two songs they've covered the most, the Smashing Pumpkins? They only have one other song that Smashing Pumpkins have ever covered more than Space Oddity, uh, according to the stats at setlist.fm. It's Rock what? On by David Essex. I don't know what that sounds like, but I'm kind of curious <laughs> to hear that's, what. That's yeah. What does Smashing Pumpkins doing Rock On by David Essex sound like? That's got to be amazing. You think so? Oh, I don't. God, that would be fantastic. Of course. That would be really fun. Well, I mean, just dial it up on the YouTube machine and uh, let's see what we got, huh? Smashing Pumpkins, Rock On. Wonder what it sounds like. It's probably more. It, yeah. Uh, wait, they did this. Did they ever put this on an album? I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. Let's see. I mean, unless it's on one of their like outtakes, the rarities album. Right, this is a studio. Wait, this is studio. I mean, what is this from? Here it comes. It actually sounds like fame a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're done with that. Um. Anyway, Smashing Pumpkin or Billy Corgan at, at number three on my list. Number two on my list, Rhett Miller, who we talked about. And then number one for me is is Scott Weiland. And it's interesting with, with these stories obviously coming in such close proximity, the death of Scott Weiland and the, and the death of, of, uh, of David Bowie, because having just watched a lot of Scott Weiland footage and old footage, uh, 
you see the similarities are crazy. And I was surprised that Scott Weiland didn't make your list. I mean, you just see the similarities in the way that he talked and the way he acted and the way he carried himself with David Bowie. He also did, of course, talk a lot about the influence of David Bowie. And then what hit me is a, on a personal note, because as you know, I always do it from the gut, despite my use of some analytics on this particular list. Uh, I will say that my rock and roll moment, my moment when I said I wanted to be a rock star was seeing Scott Weiland and being in the third row at the Patriots Center as a teenager and seeing Scott Weiland perform. And I said, and seeing him just glide across the stage. So I got that. And I, and, and, and so then I kind of connected the dots. And then I had heard Rhett Miller talk that way about David Bowie. And then I've heard Scott Weiland talk about how much David Bowie's influence on him. Hence, Scott Weiland getting my number one spot in the uh, top artists influenced by David Bowie list. There you go. Totally. And, and uh, totally deserved, I think. So yeah. that was a good, good, good pick. But, uh, you know, also special to you the same way that Trent Reznor was special to me. Yeah. yeah. In, uh, <clears throat> passing that knowledge on. Yeah. 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 I, I get that. So and that goes back to what I was talking about, you know, originally where it's like it's hard, I think, sometimes. And I came down hard on Kanye, but I think it's difficult to try to talk about artists that aren't of your your generation, not to say you can't get into artists that aren't of your generation. Todd, for example, obviously saying he's a huge Springsteen fan is an understatement. And there are artists <laughs> who we've all we're all into who who didn't have their prime years during our mus prime musical years. So that's not a fair statement to say. But I, I just think sometimes it's a little bit it's difficult to really talk about how some someone what someone meant to the pop culture of the time and things like that if you weren't around and i think what you're talking about harrison where you have an artist like trent reznor for you or for me scott wyland who can kind of project that on you as you're getting into music so hence scott wyland being number one for me yeah I, that's cool. I, I think we we talked about it. i don't know if we talked about it on the show but scott i know you and i talked when wyland died yeah i know bowie's name definitely came up you know yeah 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 and he we, he we talked about kiss we talked about bowie we talked about the beatles because they were a huge influence on him too yeah 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 and i think and then so. you know you watch wyland and and you you know and and he covered Gene Genie a lot and um, but you 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 know you watch Wyland and it's just the, the the similarities even when you listen I do actually do want to play the Gene Genie cover because like I I think even if you listen to it and I, have you guys heard him do Gene Genie at all Wyland I think I have it's, I it like sounds I, I mean it's like right on point and it I, it sounds, sounds like something he he should sing you know yeah 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 it it's sounds right up his alley. it's it's like it's right on it's yeah it's just it, Cool. Oh, yeah. I think I think he played it when I saw him two or three years ago. His solo yeah, video. yeah, he's been doing it. I think on the, he already did it on the solo tour because he put it out on one of the albums, the Wild About albums. But uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about on the Scott Weiland uh, topic, uh, getting off on a small tangent here. By the way, I uncovered some uh, a Scott Weiland rarity this week that I want to mention on the show, Todd, before we get into your list real quick. Because, uh -huh. as you know, and Todd, I'm sure you have this experience, too, where like researching these shows kind of takes you down some sinkholes sometimes. So, oh, yeah. So I want to tell the That's audience. part of the fun. Yeah, I want to tell the audience about what I had. And, and part of the fun of this show is obviously turning people on to hidden gems or new music, one or the other, right? And uh uh, Todd and I were going back and forth because I had rediscovered this set list of the HFS Nutcracker, which was the HFS Winter Show in 1996, 95, 96, 96, 96, mm -hmm. 96. And um, and the Lemonheads were on the on the bill. So then I start like going down this weird sinkhole, and at the same time I'm kind of coming off the David Bowie news and. 
they converge when I find. So I find all this Scott Weiland cover stuff, and then I find that Scott Weiland had a whole album of covers. Do you guys know this? He had a whole album of covers. And uh, I don't know. I didn't know that. I knew he did a Christmas albums. No, he had an album of covers. I don't even know where it was released, when it was released, and one of the covers that he did. Listen to this, you guys. This is. Listen to this. I just want. I, I, Oh, wow. Yeah. I had to bring it out. I mean, come on. You guys haven't heard this. Oh, yeah. Get to your arms. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Wait, that's Wyland? Yeah. <laughs> Singing, that's hilarious. That's awesome. The album is called A Compilation of Scott Wyland's Cover Songs. <laughs> oh, that's a very clever title. Someone got a raise for that one. Anyway, I'm sorry to bring it back to Scott Weiland. I just did, and I had to share with you guys this music that I found this week. So um, anyway, my uh, my list, number five, as far as artists inspired by David Bowie, of course, number one is Scott Weiland. But before that, number five, Madonna. Number four, Kurt Cobain. Number three, Billy Corgan. And number two, Rhett Miller. Todd, you're up. All right. So um, before I get into the list, I just wanted to say, I think one of the, the themes that I didn't mention earlier, but one of the themes of the artist's for all of us, uh, that that um, that I think runs through these artists and and why they related so well to Bowie is be, is that sense of alienation or isolation or loneliness or whatever you want to call it that uh, was very evident in Bowie's music and I think that's why a lot of these artists you know they weren't cool kids or anything in high school and they got you know they got pulled in or attracted to that. Um, and I think, you know, like, like Trent Reznor, great example, mm -hmm. obviously a lot of angst, a lot of, you know, isolation in his lyrics, in his music, um, certainly Kurt Cobain, <laughs> no question. Um, so I think, and the Rhett I Miller, think or, why, or Billy Corrigan for that Billy matter. Corrigan, or and Billy then, Corrigan. and then the Rhett Miller's column, which came out after David Bowie's death that he wrote about yeah, why he's talk, yeah, talking about Salon. that it was because, yeah, he was getting beat up in high school and. Yeah, he talked. No, about he was the patron saint of outsiders yeah. and outcasts. Yeah. So, yeah, that was his the deal. Right, and I think that's something that you know the the, the Beatles, even though they, they might have had that element, that wasn't as big a part of their persona. Um, nor was it the, the Stones. So when we talk about them as maybe the kings of the hill of influence, um, and Elvis wasn't like that either. So you know, I think that's what Bowie brought to the table that you didn't have. Uh, so much of, at least on, on such a, in such a popular realm. And then we saw that taken to the, the another level by Elton John and by uh, Queen, who he was very good friends with, you know, tight with all of them. Uh, but they, they had that sense of theatricality that they brought to the music. So anyway, getting into my list, uh, number five, this was tough. Honorable mention goes here to Talking Heads, because I think there's a very oh, good choice. Oh, yeah. influence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Talking Heads, I, I, I this was really hard, so I'm almost going to make it like a, a shared number five, but I know we're not supposed to do that. But Talking Heads, <laughs> I mean, David Byrne, that that the whole the stage persona that he would he took on, um, I think is so Bowie in inspired and musically too. I think you can see a clear connect between between them. So anyway, but my my actual number five is REM, and uh, this kind of I guess is a corollary or parallels Harrison's U2 selection because I, I see U2 and REM as being those ascendant bands from the 80s and 90s, you know, that, that, that went from being, which certainly R.E.M. went from being college rock, what was called college rock at the time, to being a huge arena stadium filler uh, by the early 90s. And so, but R.E.M., and Michael Stipe did put out a brief a, a tribute to Bowie this week, 
and he, and he talked about how he said right now it feels like the solar system is off its axis and he said wherever david bowie is i want to be there someday um and talked about meant of course what a huge influence he was on michael stipe and and i think uh, you know to talk about the gender bending quality of bowie's personas, oh, yeah. Yeah. um his music clearly michael stipe you know his ambiguous sexuality over the years was always an issue uh, hanging over the band and it was a big, uh, I think, theme and lyrically for R.E.M. also um, talking about his loneliness and isolation um, and his sensitivity. Um, so and, and Stipe has a little bit of that shape shifting quality um, and that led to these very markedly different phases and experimentation. Now, maybe not experimental in the way that Bowie was, uh, but but definitely. And, and also the phases probably weren't as clear cut because Michael Stipe wasn't really getting into different characters. Uh, but but you do see a big change between, you know, Murmur and the early R.E.M. stuff. And then if you look at Out of Time and you look at Green, you know, there's a, a big change there. Um, so so that's my number five. I agree with you with everything you said about Michael Stipe and R.E.M. And I was glad to see the uh, R.E.M. on your list. Moving on to number four. And I like actually this wasn't intentional, but I'm realizing now the clear link between R.E.M. and Nirvana because Michael Stipe was a huge influence and a good friend of Kurt Cobain. Um, and they did some work together. And actually, Nirvana used Scott Litt as a producer because he had produced uh, R.E.M. Uh, but Nirvana, obviously, you guys have both talked about it. It's, you know, it's, it's Scott, if we're, you know, for, for as far as being literal or being, you know, a very obvious connection, it is there. Um, that unplugged performance is incredible. It, it definitely, for me, it, it, you know, it brought, brought Bowie to a new generation, our generation in the 90s. And I didn't know the Bowie song when, you know, when Cobain introduced it. Um, and I thought it was interesting reading about the um, MTV Unplugged uh, production and, and how, you know, Kurt Cobain was so opposed to kind of playing the game, which is why they were furious that he wouldn't play Smells Like Teen Spirit um, on Unplugged. And he that's why he threw in the, the random covers, which was they did Bowie, covered Lead Belly, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? He did the two Meat Puppets covers. Um, and he did that to, as kind of a like F you to MTV and the powers that be. So it's funny, but when, one funny story I saw was that when Nirvana was first touring, um, and this was pre-Dave Grohl, their, their earlier drummer was Chad Channing, and he bought the, the Bowie record, uh, Man Who Sold the World, in 1989, I think, or 88, and he dubbed it, of course, onto a cassette so they could listen to it in the tour van, and he introduced it to Kurt and Chris Novoselic, um, and Kurt, when he heard it, he couldn't believe it was Bowie. I thought this was, this was, funny. Oh, that's crazy. Kurt, yeah. Kurt didn't know the song. And this <laughs> was like 1989. He didn't know that it was David Bowie. And he thought that it was wild because Kurt Cobain grew up. And this goes back to Scott, what you were talking about. about yeah. And you were exposed yeah. to it, but Cobain, his exposure to David Bowie was the let's dance David Bowie. And it was the MTV pop star. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bowie. And so man who sold the world is a far cry from that. And so I thought that was really interesting that even, you know, a guy, obviously who'd go on to be such a, a huge rock star that, that this is, was his introduction to Bowie. And obviously it made quite an impression. And I think I read Chris Novoselic said when they, when they, they had, when they were talking about what to play for the MTV unplugged uh, session, you know, that song came up and it meant a lot to Kurt, I think. And, and that's an interesting one. Cause I never thought about the lyrics too much yeah. um, until this week. Uh, same yeah, here, you know, Todd. Lyrically, yeah, it's funny. It, it, same, yeah. It's, same here. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird, but it's such a, yeah. when you think, when you look at the lyrics, and obviously things take on a different tone, uh, you know, posthumously for both Cobain or for David Bowie. But in Cobain's case, I think it, there was this tendency to analyze everything from that unplugged performance as 
he knew he was going to die or something, looking at it through the lens of death. But that song, uh, Man Who Sold the World, definitely has this morbid kind of morose cloud hanging over it, uh, which, you know, I, you know, obviously we can look back on it and say, okay, yeah, this is pretty damn dark. I mean, you can look at the Lead Belly song too, uh, which yeah. is still kind of just a, 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 you know, painful, but in a good way to kind of <laughs> listening to that. So anyways, uh, moving on from Nirvana, I think we can all agree on that one. But um, number three, I do have Kanye, which I know Scott is not a fan of that selection. Um, but, you know, this was a case where I didn't want to take things completely, everything at face value. I wanted to have something. And Kanye is probably the only one here that there's not some very clear, you know, right. case of worship that was happening <laughs> for, for decades prior to. Yeah, yeah. But that was what I, why I wanted to pick Kanye was because what I said earlier was spanning generations, not just generations, and that's part of it, but also spanning genres. And that I think Bowie, you know, there was an influence, whether it was glam rock, whether it was disco, whether it was soul, whether, and then, and those, you know, disco and soul fed into rap. The beginning oh, of yeah. Rap. And, then yeah the new, and then new wave, and then even industrial music, as Harrison was talking about with Trent Reznor. So I think, you know, that's where I see, I do see a connection. And, and I talked about working with Niall Rogers, who, you know, huge influence, I think, on hip hop. Yeah, uh, now Rogers had, and so I think you see that you can kind of see that connection a little more once I dug into it. Um, of of and you you listen to that '80s era Bowie probably more so, um, but even the late '70s too. So you know I see the Kanye link. Um, as I say, it may not be as direct, but but I one of the the commonalities I see is that Kanye loves to challenge his audience through reinvention, mm-hmm. and a lot of great artists do that. Um, and and Bowie certainly was was one of the earlier ones to do that and Kanye whether it was his image you know going from the polo shirt solely early on to now he's this sneaker tycoon um, (laughs) and has very different you know fashion sense to musically speaking you know going and and making an album like 808s and Heartbreak which I know Scott's not a fan of but I love um, but was a vastly wildly different type of album for him to make and then of course Yeezus also very you know just very challenging. Very Bowie-esque. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, because it exactly. sounds like a Nine Inch Nails album. I mean, it sounds like yeah. a Trent Reznor yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. it does. It so, does. We yeah. talked about how yeah. it, was, it was Trent Reznor filtered through Kanye. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so I think that that's kind of cool. I feel like that this hopefully that brings it together more, so that Kanye is not some weird left field. All thing. right, all right, Todd. Um, yeah, I liked your. I like. I like where you're going. I, I. I felt. I do feel guilty for being a little harsh on Kanye earlier in the show. Uh, I, I, I like, I like what you're saying, uh, but I feel like still there has to be a caveat there where you say like modern day pop artists influenced by David Bowie. Yeah, that's fine. I okay. mean, Harrison mentioned Lady yeah. Gaga, which I yeah. think is also yeah, a, yeah. A, is a great choice. And anyway, yeah. the last thing I'll say on Kanye is, yeah, he did post this week and I'd have to research. I don't know what his comments or thoughts were previous to, to David Bowie's death, but he did post on Twitter. I thought it was a nice short tribute and he just said that he, that Bowie, he said, was one of his biggest inspirations, that he was so fearless, so creative, and that he gave us magic for a lifetime. So I thought that was a cool tribute. Um, moving on to number two. Uh, we, but we give have me – my argument – you know what? Like give me a story <laughs> like – No, because – 
give me a story like Rhett Miller's story. Give me a story like I'm telling you about uh, Scott Weiland, where I can. And all of us as music as music fan, you. I'm sorry, but as a music fan, you should be able to do that. Like you can point. All of us as music fans remember. And I'm not look. Twitter's only 140 characters for now, so I don't know if he had the opportunity to do that. <laughs> Maybe he has done this with his friends as he sat around with his two friends, like how we talked. You know how the three of us all get together. Um, on the Kanye version of Twisted Lister, maybe. But I just feel like we there's so much music, and it's what brings us together, the three of us, that we can point to. We can say, oh, this is the first time I listened to this, or this is when I got into this artist. Whether, you know, Harrison, your story about Bowie is, is right on. Like, you're talking about, hey, yeah. I was a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. He toured with Nine Inch Nails. I was a teenager, and I saw what this guy could do on stage, and I was hooked on it, you know? That's a real story, and, and I feel like... To me, that's what's missing from the Kanye, like the, the 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 remarks that he made throughout the week, where it's like, give me a real story as to how this guy. Okay, but I think we're both also we're not basing it on what Kanye said this week. We're I know. Basing it, we're basing right. it on like his approach to music and approach to fame and his approach to fashion and everything else and how he's kind of echoed that mold that that Bowie created. And exactly. You know, yeah. And he's. And he's been more successful at it than most. Like that's a that's a tough uh, road to hoe and a tough line to, to 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 walk. And he does a really good job of it. So I think that's what we're more responding to than anything he specifically specifically said. Yeah, in and, to David and, Bowie. And I don't know what you would say about Prince because Prince was one of my honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Prince was definitely you know descended from that. I'm sure he's covered some Bowie though in his time. And you talk about androgyny and gender bending, you know, yeah. this is right up there, and and this and sexual music. Um, but anyway, so I'm gonna move on from Kanye. Number two, another gender bender, Madonna, um, and she, you know, she I feel like is the queen of pop reinvention. Um, you know, obviously, Gaga. There's a very clear line we've talked about between Madonna and Gaga. So this is just going back, I think another step but i do think scott mentioned the story but i read uh, i was just going to mention a little more of, to that story because madonna grew up in detroit and david bowie was her very first concert she ever attended and i think she was i don't know what year it was but she snuck out and uh her parents didn't know she was going she wore a cape to the show i thought that was great <laughs> and her parents when she got home and they found out she was grounded for the whole summer, and she said, "I didn't care because I had fallen in love with David Bowie." That's and a rock and roll. Changed my life. Papa, don't. And and Madonna said she loved the gender confusion that he brought about in his music, and you know, obviously Madonna liked to dress like a man. She liked all kinds. And of she, when she personas. dressed like she dressed like the thin, thin white duke. Like she, yeah, she wore the suit. stole. Yeah, the stole Bowie's look. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Madonna had all the different images, you know, over the years, and, um, you know, definitely fits that whole shapeshifter chameleon idea that Bowie was, you know, pioneering. Harrison, um, so there, yeah. There's a clear line there. Harrison, you're right. Danny Aiello got really mad at her when she got home that day, so <laughs> a, the, Papa, the Papa Don't Preach video reference there for nice yes <laughs> so and then my number one and actually i guess surprise i'm glad that it's on my list because i think uh this is what makes it relevant i think kanye on the hip-hop side relevance for today someone says well how is david bowie relevant to the last decade of music well kanye is one side of that and the other side which is a more scott for you more clear uh clear cut uh basically indisputable uh influence is is the arcade fire yeah um, yes it can't believe and, that it took us this yeah. long in the show i know i'm surprised yeah I yeah, yeah, yeah but they, when when arcade fire first emerged i think it was 2004 or 05 
Uh, and Funeral was the first album. And I remember there was so much uh, buzz about that album being this spawn of David Bowie, that it was like this descendant of Bowie. And that was, the, the, you know, he was, that was what you heard tossed about, about that first album. And uh, the cool thing was Bowie apparently was, I mean, he became a big fan of the band. And, and actually, the second to last concert that he ever performed, David Bowie did in his life, was with Arcade Fire in 2005 at the VH1 Fashion Rocks concert uh, on the song "Wake Up" off of. Well, off has of he Desert. really been? Has he really been off the road? Was he really off the road for a decade? Yeah, yeah. He basically he didn't really in the last decade didn't play at all. Wow. Uh, that was that was his second it's, last of his whole life. It's wow. yeah, um, yeah, that's amazing. So he and he also appeared on the Reflector album, which was Arcade Fire Arcade Fire's last album. Which again, you know, huge Bowie influence. I feel like you listen to that album. Oh, yeah. I, t- I talked about how that album, along with Daft Punk, I felt like brought disco kind of back. Um, it made it cool again uh, for you know 2013 or so. And and then you saw all these pop artists try to get in on that too. Um, but yeah, on the you know, so he obviously he's performed live with them. He's appeared on an album with them. And and I would recommend to anyone out there. It's a little long, so I'm not going to read the whole tribute they wrote. Uh, it's not that long. You could read it, you know, about less than a minute. But but they wrote a beautiful tribute. Um, and the coolest part of all this is they did a, this extraordinary second line uh, parade through New Orleans yesterday. Um, and I recommend checking out the clips on YouTube because uh, it's incredible. And they did it with the Preservation Hall Jazz Band, and it shut down the streets in New Orleans. Yeah, I'm glad. It's I was remarkable. I had it queued up. I was. I. It's amazing. Preservation Hall and Arcade Fire walking down the street doing basically a second line in New Orleans for David Bowie. Right, which, which you know, second line, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, that's that's part of the funeral procession in New Orleans. So it was like host, holding a funeral for, you know, for him through the streets of New Orleans. People were dressed like Bowie, their favorite Bowie characters, just incredible. Um, so, like, what it, you know, Arcade Fire, in my mind, wins for best tribute to Bowie, um, which is appropriate because I think they are kind of the modern-day scions of of David Bowie and his legacy. And I think Scott would even agree with this, that you know, I think they're one of the most important bands of this century, Arcade Fire. Um, and I think we've discussed that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And, and I also think Kanye is one of the most important artists. So I, anyway, I would so agree I with that. I'm glad yeah. I, have, I have both those artists on this list. But yeah. Arcade Fire, for me, was the clear cut uh, winner for this list. Yeah, this is the, them with Preservation Hall doing Heroes while marching down the street. With <laughs> Butler with the oh, megaphone. Man, you, you know that was That's such great. a great time. Now Butler's wow. using a megaphone, and we do know who used the megaphone regularly oh, on yeah, stage. Oh, yeah, that's true. We didn't talk about the Wallflowers covering Heroes, which was a big hit when it came out um, yeah. off of the... Another, uh, yeah, another one that introduced soundtrack. it. Yeah, I think it definitely introduced it to us, the kids of the 90s, uh, or teens of the 90s, I guess, kids of the 80s, teens of the 90s. And it was also an uh, interesting thing about how also very um, political David Bowie's songs could be. Heroes was about him uh, while he was living in Berlin, seeing a couple trying to cross the Berlin Wall and like getting caught in a trench. I'm trying to do that. You know, the song Young Americans was very political. And also, obviously, I'm afraid of Americans. Like, he wasn't afraid to, like, go out there and write songs that were relevant and politically motivated um, at the time, which not a lot of pop artists necessarily do that nakedly. Well, he wasn't uh, a pop artist. He wasn't a pop artist. 
I mean, I don't think he right until Let's Dance. I mean, he wasn't. That was, and that's one of the things that I it's didn't think he was the definition of a pop artist back in the Ziggy. No, Stardust but if days. you read, if you read that column by Rhett Miller, that was, in machine, in machine was him saying, "Oh, new wave. Watch this. This is how we do new wave." And he just, you know, dropped the mic on new wave. That was what Tim Machine was. I think he was always a pop artist, like, yeah. and always in the time more so than maybe we like than you might realize. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think, but let's but, dance is really what made it because MTV played. Yeah. It, you know? So yeah. Todd recap and your list. Go, going for, back. Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah. One last thing on Arcade Fire and I'll recap my list. I, I saw Arcade Fire at Jazz Fest in New Orleans, um, two years ago. And, uh, I will never forget that. And, and it was so cool because they did a second line actually through the festival. Oh my God. Uh, really? as, as their, it was cool. It was their, uh, they, that's how they opened the show was they did a second line through the audience. And then got up on stage, and they were all wearing these what? massive, uh, <laughs> massive like uh, I don't know what to, how you describe them. They're they're more than masks. They're like whole body things. Right above them, these these faces. They're, they're kind of ghoulish, uh, but it was so cool. And and I think and that, that this was part of why I thought that the choice of doing this in New Orleans with Preservation Hall Jazz Band, which might seem an odd choice because you know Bowie obviously. <laughs> I don't know if there maybe he does have an association, mm-hmm. but you don't associate him naturally with New Orleans, but. but but, but that's what's so cool about it was seeing Arcade Fire a couple years ago. You saw that there is clearly this affinity and this special relationship with New Orleans. And uh, and that's one of the things I love about Jazz Fest and New Orleans in general is that there are, it's one of it, – it's a city that artists get excited to play for. Um, and they're – you know, and it's a special place like that. And there aren't really many places like that. Austin's probably right behind it, maybe Nashville. So anyways, recapping my list, um, number five, R.E.M., number four, Nirvana. Three Kanye, two Madonna, and one Arcade Fire. So that's a uh, good list, Todd. So Springsteen doesn't make your list, but I wanted to play for you. <laughs> no, the tribute yeah. Springsteen did offer a tribute this week to David yeah, Bowie, and awesome. I don't know if you've heard it, but I, it was one of it was a great tribute that was on stage. Um, just for this week. Did he cover him? I didn't. He covered Rebel Rebel. Oh, that's awesome! And oh, great. He said this. Perfect Springsteen's choice. Oh yeah. That was Springsteen so, yeah. in Pittsburgh this week. Yeah, so time to make the final the final list here. Artists influenced by David Bowie on the uh, put him up on the big board. I'm assuming Arcade Fire goes up there and Madonna goes up there. Um, Nirvana and Nirvana. Nirvana, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nirvana, Madonna, and Arcade Fire. Um, Scott doesn't want Kanye on. Well, uh, we'll talk. Kanye, yeah, you Kanye. guys. All right, we'll put. He's got to be on the big board. Obviously, he's on the big down. board. Uh, I mean, Rhett Miller or Wyland, either of those for my list. I can't get any love for I'd either. Say, I'd say Wyland. Wyland yeah, Wyland. I'll okay. give you Wyland. Uh, I think you two should be up there. 
You too. All right. That gives us uh, R R E M. I mean, I don't know. R E M. I like on there. Yeah. That 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 gives us a, a seven on the big board here. So, Arcade Fire, Nirvana, Madonna, Kanye, Wyland, U two, R E M, Arcade Fire, Nirvana, and Madonna are all definitely on the on the final list. I'm assuming they is sure. that is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think we so we have two more slots to fill out. I'm. You know what? After Todd's little. Todd, you did a nice job, nice sell job on on Kanye for me, and I feel like oh, the two you. of you are going to vote anyway to have Kanye on the list. So I don't know how I'm going to counter it. <laughs> You're going to get ahead of it. I'm going to get ahead of it. I'm going <laughs> to leave it up there. That leaves us with Wyland U2 REM. I mean, Wyland's my choice, so I can't. You guys, uh, you know, you have. Well, yeah, that's one, that's one for me. Mine's R. M. Yeah, that's yeah. one for each of us. Yeah. Um, how do we? I don't know how we break this down. I'm not sure. Do we just give it a tie? Do we just do it? Look, look, Harrison, I, I would say we could give put Wyland on there because we got Kanye, so. Okay, I'll give oh, him Wyland. Thanks, guys. That's, that's, that's good. That's fair. That's so fair. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. But can, can and, Wyland? And our Fire's on there, so I, I'm not going to say that I didn't get, All right. get some love. How's this? How's, uh, man, how do we do? I don't know. the. I don't know how to order these. This is a tough one to order. Who's the most influenced? Because, I, I would put, yeah, put uh, Wyland 5, Kanye mm -hmm. 4, uh, 3, uh, would uh, I would put? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. I would I would put three uh, Madonna, two Arcade Fire, one Nirvana. That would be mine. That works for me. That works for me. You All guys right. Okay with that? Yeah. Our top five artists influenced by David Bowie. Uh, number five, Scott Weiland. At number four, Kanye West. At number three, Madonna. At number two, Arcade Fire. At number one, Nirvana. The man who sold the world. Yeah. That can make for a hell of a playlist right there. Yeah, well, that, that's what. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That was. Uh, they, no, this was a really. This was a. This was a. I, I like the approach that we took here. So, uh, it was a. It was a, a great list to put together. And yeah, I mean the, the the covers that came out this week were unbelievable. I just played a little bit of the Springsteen cover, but Elvi and Colbert. I don't know if you guys got to see that. And then actually, there's a, a cover Melissa Etheridge did Heroes, and she had a really cool thing to say about. David Bowie and it echoes everything that we've we've been saying. So, uh, and 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 yeah. So other other news uh, of the week, or, or actually not of the week, but of the, since the last time we were on, which was a long time ago. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has been announced. Todd, your take? Cheap Trick, N.W.A., Steve Miller, Chicago, Deep Purple. Yeah, uh, my take. I I think it's a little stale. It's yeah. A little, I mean, it's 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 other than N.W.A., it's all white rock guy male rock from the seventies. So. People have been uh, eligible for a long, long time, as it were. Yeah, I yeah. feel like this was kind of – and look, I love Cheap Trick and Steve Miller. Um, I grew up listening to Steve Miller band a lot. Um, I love Cheap Trick. Deep Purple in Chicago I could kind of do without. I realize Deep Purple has some well, great st songs. But but I feel like it's they're scraping a little bit. Well, like hold on. Just well, kind of... Okay, well, the, the, the rule is um, your first album had to come out 25 years earlier. So okay. right now, we're, I mean, Nirvana was last year. And what came out after that? Like we might be, we might be down for some bottom barrels for a few years here. Well, that's the funny thing is they're going back to the '70s for all these artists. Like I don't know what I'm saying is like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of they're not picking eligible. anything you know from the from the early '90s or like, that's what I'm saying. There's not there's not probably not a lot of newly eligible people that they want to put up there. Well, who's and we know who's voting too. Oh. I mean that's the other yeah. issue, right? Music is so but generational. What, what, what about Pearl Jam? They're not in, right? They can not be yet. eligible Are next they, year. Next right. year, I think. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe they're Wait, all how are they? Green this Day. Green Didn't Day's... Tim come out in 91? I think, oh. yes. I think they might be eligible next year. But why is Green Day okay. already in? 
Did they because Kerplunk yeah, was Dead, before? Well, I, I don't know. I, I think Kerplunk came out before. Yeah, it was like, oh. like 1990 yeah, or 89. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. I. I mean. I. So I would I say you know yeah. Pearl Jam and STP. They're gonna be old next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and but yeah. So NWA. Uh. You know. I, I. That's a cool choice. I know a lot of the traditionalists don't like it because they're like it's not rock and roll. It is rock and roll. It's fucking rock and roll, man. Yeah. No. It's I mean, a definition I, of rock I, and roll. I, I think it's great. I'm just. I'm just giving the counter. There's, yeah. There's a counter argument. And, fucking terrifying uh, when it like came it. out. That made it rock and roll right there. That's yeah. true. Oh, yeah. The other the other big news since the last time we did a show, GNR is getting back together. Harrison, your take on that? Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you know how many concerts they actually get through. What, Todd set the over <laughs> under at seven, was it or was it I lower? Think four. Five. I think four. 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 <laughs> four out of out of the twenty six tours. And you I thought the, that was low. I took the over, but now I'm kind of rethinking it because they haven't even committed to Coachella yet. They haven't even done yet. a press release. Yeah, they haven't done or any. Press, yeah, or, like, so, they did a release, I guess. They haven't done like a, a announce. They haven't been actually together anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So right. no one's seen them all in the same room. <laughs> so right? it's a we all see. And I kind of said this might be uh, Axl Rose's Michael Jackson moment here, oh. where he's like, the warm up is all it's going to do to put him over the edge. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is- I'm excited. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about. I know you're excited. I mean, I want to go see it. I would love to see it. The spectacle is going to be hysterical, but, uh, you know, it it remains to be seen if they're actually going to make it work. And what are you guys listening to Todd? What you been listening to, man? Um, let's see. I've been listening to this new band called Heinz. I don't know if you've got listen to them. H I N D S. Uh, it's a Spanish group of girls. I think they're, I don't even know if they're 20. They might be teenagers. Um, and they, uh, it, it's, it's a great indie rock album. It's called Leave Me Alone. Um, and they're playing a lot of the festivals uh, this summer. So I definitely recommend checking it out. It's not my usual bag, but, but it's really good. I like it. Um, and then I wanted to mention uh, just a couple of year-end things that snuck in after we did our year-end show uh, that I, th- I wanted to recommend people check out. One is Push a T put out an album right in mid to late December called uh, King Push, Darkest Before the Dawn. I think it's, other than Kendrick, probably the best rap album I heard last year. Um, and the best, I think Pusha T's probably my favorite rapper right now, uh, what he's doing. So I'm excited about that. And uh, and then Tom Petty dropped a kind of a rarities. I mean, it was an old, it was old stuff that he dug up. Yeah. But I recommend, the album Nobody's Children is really good. Really good. Um, yeah, getting no love, like yeah. no publicity, no did, yeah, nothing. Yeah, no publicity. It's weird. I heard it and I told Scott, I was so like, weird. Petty. it's awesome. Usually, and usually he does do some stuff. Like, he'll do some some interviews some places. He'll do some XMs. He'll be around usually when he drops yeah. something. It was kind of weird. He did With nothing. The story, so the story, I researched it a little bit. He also released another album called Through the Cracks. He released both, but but which was Mud Crutch Demos on Through the Cracks. But both of these were, were previously only, only available on a box set as part of a box set from 1995 called Playback. So the music's been out there for 20 plus Which, years. You, um, they just released. You sent me one of the tracks. What format. was that? One of the tracks you sent me was phenomenal. Man, you, a million Ways to Be Wicked. Was that it? Uh, yeah, that song one? is awesome. Which one is oh, that? Oh, there's a lot of good stuff. Which, a which Million uh, Ways to Be Wicked. Yeah, so good. That song is so good. Dude, um, I, look, Nobody's Children. I recommend it. If if you're a Petty fan, you'll love it. Even if you're not a Petty fan. Uh, you know, you should like it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so anyway. It's, that's that's what I've been. Well, because to. everybody should like Tom Petty, and it's weird when people right. say. And they we don't know, like Tom we Petty. know that Bill, yeah, a, a listener, is does not like Tom Petty. This song, Harrison, something. check this song out. Sure. This is it's, it's called "Ways to Be Wicked." 
it's classic Teddy, right? I mean, classic and it's straight up classic Teddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my mom would love this song. <laughs> That's a, did it's, you ever think you'd say that as a teenager? That's weird. Uh, anyway, <laughs> ways to be wicked. Tom Petty. That's off Nobody's Children. Glad you mentioned that one, Todd. Or well, I don't know how it came up. Did it? Did yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I listened to um, the new Panic at the Disco this week, which um, I I was actually a really big fan of their first album, A Fever You Can't Shake Out, or uh, or whatever it was called, and um, and I like the Bowie esque sensibilities of it. Um, and the guy's kind of very vaudevillian approach to music and it felt like the whole album that first album has this kind of um musical concept album look to it this new album not so much it's a bit cliche like every song steals from somewhere um you know sometimes to not great effect but uh it's i mean it's maybe it's worth a listen through but uh it wasn't my bag of tea compared to the other ones but it kind of falls in that vein of it seems like they're playing this game of leapfrog with fallout boy for who can be the most pedantic um, I was gonna say they've yeah. gone, they, they've gone yeah. Fall Out Boy through that uh, unfortunate sinkhole of music, yeah. and, and I listened to a little bit of the Panic at the Disco album, and I was just I wanted to like it because they're, they're they announced a co-headlining tour with Weezer this summer, but mm. it just did not it didn't I couldn't get into it. No, it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But I it, but another highlight this week was going to the All Songs Considered 16th Anniversary Party with Todd. Yes, where we got. To Kishibashi, which was my first, I, 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 he has been mentioned on the show multiple times, but I've never actually taken the time to listen to him. And he was fantastic. Sharon Van Etten was there. And then we saw Dan Deacon, Deacon close out. Um, yep. All around fantastic show. And I was happy to support those commie pigs. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, my pick for what I'm listening to actually came off of that because, uh, as you guys can tell, probably based upon this uh, show, my new obsession is setlist.fm. So, uh, one night I'm perusing setlist.fm while doing my research for the show, clicking on who's covering David Bowie. I end up seeing that Glenn Hansard had covered David Bowie. I saw that Glenn Hansard actually showed up at that show that you guys were at at 9.30. That's right. right. Is that correct? Yeah, he was a surprise guest. Where he, yep. he, he did get David, uh, David Bowie cover in his set. I went back and I was like, man, I listened to some of that album, that new Glenn Hansard album, but I haven't listened to enough of it, and I've, now I've been hooked on it. And we, again, just like Todd, you talked about some of the albums that came out that we didn't get to talk about uh, from 2015 on our best 2015 show. I wish we'd talked about the Glenn Hansard album called Didn't He Ramble. Uh, I think he did a really good job with it, and uh, I've been listening to that. And and the other thing, actually, coming off of your push to T mention and your your t- discussion about uh, the best t- hip-hop guys in the game, I had to talk uh, It reminded me of what I watched just this morning, which is Kendrick Lamar Austin City Limits episode, run, don't walk to go find this thing and go watch it. It is absolutely amazing. And uh, being someone who has yet to see Kendrick live, I'm so, I'm 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 mad that I haven't seen Kendrick live because it's <laughs> it's. Have either of you guys seen Kendrick live yet? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. No, yeah. yeah, I saw. I mean, I did see him way back in the day at a Hot 97 Summer Jam. Different story, but uh, or yeah, it, you know that's that's different, and that's a different story. Why I was anyway? But uh, yeah, seeing what he's doing now, it's just it's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. So uh, go check that out. Anyway, that's that's all I got. And I know, you know, we had talked we always talk about stuff that we want to end the the show with. And we had talked about I feel like we had talked about a lot of kind of um, some some depressing Bowie stuff and, and the Bowie. And let's actually let's hit on this real quick. The last album. Get your take on the on the Bowie album, because I, we talked about maybe playing our way out with that. But 
it's it's a down thing and you know i um, I, 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 I thought it was the lazarus video remarkable and yeah go ahead Give me no, I, I agree with you the lazarus video and if you haven't watched the lazarus video just like stop this now and go watch the lazarus video it is amazing it's phenomenal and it's prescient and basically it's david bowie seeing himself out and i think it's 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 the most baller like yeah. um goodbye you could ever do and he just gets he got to leave on his own terms and with his like with a music video where he just tips his hat and, and walks out the door and it's phenomenal. You should definitely watch it. I wish I'd heard the album on Friday when it came out. Like I saw that it, it hit and I just didn't listen to it. Um, and so I, 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 if I've been able to do a before and after that, I, I know Todd had that um, facility, but even in the after, I thought it was a remarkable you know piece of work. If you took in you know the whole you know circumstances surrounding how it was made. Todd, how did you get wait, feel? Wait, 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 real um, quick, real quick, Harrison. No, yeah. There's a great article about that actually, the before and after. Uh, I believe his name is Jeff Edgers or Edgers. He's the uh, pop critic for the Washington Post. Wrote a column and he talked about he called Grantley Phillips on the phone and they talked about having listened to listened ha, yeah having listened to the album uh, just before because they were saying how they had listened to it that whole weekend and then obviously got the news on Monday. So they talk about the difference. It's pretty cool. Check out that column. Oh, Washington that's cool. Post. I'll have to yeah. check it out. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was telling both of you guys about this and actually funny the day it came out, the Friday it came out. Uh, I texted Scott. I remember say I listened mm-hmm. on the way into work that morning. And I told him, you know, I really I liked it and liked it more than I expected to, because um, I guess honestly that I wasn't a huge fan of the album he put out two years, three years ago, next day. Um, but I really liked this. And that was the day it came out. And then, of course, to find out he dies two days later. I listen I wake up Monday morning, get the news and I listen to the album again. And it was just funny. You know, it's, it's cr- crazy that experience of listening to it <laughs> to, a few days earlier. And then it just taking on this entirely new meaning, you know after his death um and you know it, it i liked the album before but but yeah i would say it kind of elevated it in my mind after because you know as harrison said what what better way to go out um you know on his own terms uh and and such a rock star move and his longtime producer tony visconti who he went back to for this album for the last two i think um but he said he said david went out as as the i think something like the you know incredible artist this was the last uh, his last work of art was basically his his exit from the world. So I thought that was really incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I echo your sentence on the Lazarus video. It's pretty cool stuff. All right, playing us out. It's got to be the Springsteen cover of Rebel Rebel. Rebel. <laughs>